0: Every time Hello,
1: newsies. Uh, um, welcome to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here. Um, uh, we are... Um, uh, so um, Next week's going to be a weird little fantasy thing. The movie's going to be terrible. We'll talk about it. Maybe we'll tell you <laughs> what we're going to do next week. The week after that is... Uh, Uh, the Chris Jericho thing.
0: It's a two-parter, Alex. It's a
1: two-parter. We're going to do it two weeks in a row of a Chris Jericho movie. (laughs) Um, And And then we're going to get into uh, Christmas and uh, just nonstop terrible things picked by Kate to annoy me. So I thought before we got into all of that, we should uh, maybe do the last good movie of the year. Um, the last, uh, the last movie with any redeeming qualities of 2023 may be this one. Um, so uh, I, uh, I decided to introduce Kate to a little movie called Time Bandits, uh, which you had never seen before. And I had if, and it,
0: which is surprising because I love Monty um, Python.
1: Um and never had never heard of. I
0: like, had heard right, of what? it. Okay, but I think because we, I think we had talked about doing this movie on this podcast before, and yeah. it just got bumped yeah. for one reason yeah. or the other. So I, I think that's when I remembered it. Like I remember checking it out from when we talked about doing it on on this show.
1: Yeah. Um. It is. Uh, so, um, Monty Python consisted of. Uh, Five guys in front of the camera? Five five men in front of the camera? Cleese, John Cleese, Eric Idle, Michael Palin, Graham Chapman, Terry Jones. Those are the five main cast members you see in front of the camera. Behind the camera, almost exclusively, doing all those crazy um, animation stuff that they would do, um, uh, that was Terry Gilliam. He was the other guy in Monty Python. He wrote a lot of the scripts, but he didn't really ever act. He was the, the most famous thing that he ever did in front of the camera was Patsy, uh King Arthur's manservant, who would who would with the coconuts clop, clop clop, clop clop, clop clop, clop. And he was the one who said it's only a model. Um, that <laughs> is his most famous line in his entire time in, in Monty Python. Um, and uh and he branched out from that to become maybe the most visionary director of the late 20th century. I mean, he didn't have a a huge number of, of films that he made, but, um, but they all were um, incredibly imaginative. um, And um, his most famous, um, like biggest hit, I guess would be 12 monkeys with Bruce Willis and 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 Brad Pitt, uh, which is a, an amazing, dark view of like post-apocalyptic. It's great stuff. Uh, but he also did the Johnny Depp adaptation of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is entirely, it's just a, a, a crazy trip to watch while sober. I can't imagine what it would be like <laughs> on, on mescaline. I mean, that'd be crazy. Uh, but But before those things in the 90s, and some other films too, um, he did a, a trio of films in the 80s. And the other two, I'm sure, will be uh, will be reviewed on this program because they are also very weird. Um, the, the, the second was Brazil, which is probably the most famous and the most critically acclaimed. Uh, the third is The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which um, is nuts. Uh, it's, a, it's a very nuts movie. This Time Bandits... 1981, co-written um, by him and Michael Palin, who is also in the film. Um, it when I first watched it, I was a, I was a kid. I, I was probably the, the age that the the child Kevin is in the film. When I first watched it, um, I was haunted by the villain of the film. Like that was a thing yes. that, that just haunted me for for years. Um, brilliantly played by David Warner, but when I watched it, I I immediately went to the library to find to look for the book. I assumed that the movie was based on a book, just the way that the, the story was laid out, the characters, the fantastical way that it would go from place to place and time to time. Um, I'm still gobsmacked that it was an original story that, that poured out of the minds of two guys from Monty Python because it feels like a, 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 a novel by some brilliant, like, you know, theoretician or something. Sure. Um, it's, so, um, it's so expansive. It deals with such um, thematic elements that really make you think which movies that aren't based on books don't normally do. They wrap up everything in a nice little, little package. And this one forces you to question everything you have just watched Yeah, at the end of the film, which may be the bleakest ending to any piece of media ever. It's a it's a crazy, crazy movie.
0: It's bananas. Um, I normally am not someone that can get into a lot of... And people are generally surprised by this because I watch wrestling. Like the fact that I would have trouble buying into anything should mm-hmm. surprise you if somebody's right. bar is pro wrestling. Yes. Uh, but the fantasy genre is not something that like I do particularly well with. I don't know if it's because I have ADD. I don't know what it is. But mm. part of it is because those journeys are often so slow. And I am not someone whose attention is going to be kept by watching you like trot along a beautiful countryside. Like that's mm. just not doesn't work for me. This movie is remarkably fast-paced considering like what it does which I feel like a lot of things that deal with time travel are not and there is also like a lot of bite to it like there is a lot of darkness and there's a lot of things that like if you are watching it as an adult you might have completely different takeaways than you would as a kid and knowing how much Monty Python has this uh, tendency to have some very forward comedy and also have some biting commentary as an overlay on things. I don't want to say it's subtle because it's usually pretty in front of your face, but it's not overpowering where it's like taking anything over. I feel like there was a lot of that in this too, which I think is even more impressive in a kid's movie. Because I don't think if you're a kid watching it, it detracts from it. But there are certain things that I notice, particularly it feels like on parental relationships and of course consumerism. Uh <laughs> as Monty Python is bound to comment on. Um there there are these things that are interwoven that stick with you through the entire film that get set up kind of earlier, I feel like, than um we're in this time period and here's this gag, and we're in this time period, and the here's this gag. Like the fact that this isn't based on a book, like you said, having so much interwoven and how mm-hmm. seamless it all comes yeah. together, I think is it's pretty brilliantly done. And for someone who doesn't like the genre, I was able to keep my attention that entire time because of how quick it is, how much additional stuff is going on where I didn't, um, I didn't lull out of it. I was just, it's weird. There were parts where it was capturing my attention where I didn't know what the hell was happening. And the ending is rough, but uh, kept my attention through, through the whole thing in a really authentic way, which was nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Certain um parts of the film are are feel like and I talked to you about this briefly, they feel like a Monty Python sketch. Yes. Um in the film. And but the rest of the film can be very, very dark and not like that at all. So I I, I think it, it is that it can feel a bit disjointed, but I feel like that's part of the message that it is it is, is espousing. Like it's that that you never you never know what's what's coming kind of a thing it, it is it, it anyway it's just it's a it's an incredibly um affecting piece i probably hadn't seen it in 15 years um and so uh just it's one of those things that you should definitely watch once maybe it, may, it may be too late for a lot of you but i think it's 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 uh to watch it once as a child to see it through kevin's eyes um, is such an interesting thing because i was huge into fantasy stuff never ending story uh willow all the all the old stuff from the eighties like that was my bag when i was a kid so like this was just like i having the the child um basically the the protagonist that i could kind of uh identify with and see through I had a whole thing but as an adult you look at it um looking back on what you were as a child and also just all the the messages that would go right over your head as a kid, you go, oh crap, geez, yeah, that's yeah, no, I, I yeah, I get that. There's this this is also it, it is a it is as much a commentary on modern consumerism as it is on religion. Yeah, um, always. and it's it's crazy. Uh, the the Monty Python is is so great at that. So, um, the the the, the movie starts in some kind of alternate alternate futuristic present. Nothing is different from 1980 other than they talk about how there are kitchen appliances that are that are far more advanced than, than there should be. Um, uh, there's some sort of microwave that can take uh, frozen food from packet to plate in 15 seconds. Uh, and then, so there's, there's a husband and wife, uh, middle-aged watching a game show called, um, your money or your life, which is literally titled, because if you do not win your money, we will take your life. It is an alternate future present thing where, um, the people want things so much they are willing to risk their lives on a game show for it. Um. But they, they mention this thing that can take it, blah, 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 back into play in 15 seconds. And the wife goes, the Morrisons have one that can do it in eight seconds. And the and the, and the husband goes, really? He's like, yeah. From block of ice to beef bourguignon in eight seconds. And it's like, oh, we should get one of those. Like, there's just – they're so – and then you Keep see up with the, the kitchen behind them. Like, they have all of these blenders and toasters up on shelves, like different kinds of blenders and toasters and things like that. Um, but there is um, a kid who's reading a history book, he says, uh, talks about the, the ancient Greeks, and how they had to master all these forms of combat. And he's very intrigued by it. and He's like, go to bed, Kevin, says, says the dad. So he's, okay. And this is where I'm like, the movie just doesn't waste any
0: time. Yes.
1: Other movies might have given you 15 minutes of, like, getting to know Kevin on his regular day, going to school. He hates his teacher. The, the other kids pick on him, but he loves going to the library and reading about history and stuff like that. This movie gives you one little note of him looking at a history book while his parents watch a game show. That's it. Um,
0: and that, like, um that, like, casually ignored thing when you're a kid, like by adults especially is something that like man they make you crawl back into that feeling so fast of like oh it's Mm -hmm. and like from loving people like it's not necessarily like an act of of um neglect from parents but it's like remember when you're a little kid and you're so excited about something but now as adults Mm -hmm. you realize that thing was probably pretty like either i mean history school but like stupid, like this really mm-hmm. boring thing that you're so excited about, and people with fully developed brains don't really care. Like there was something like in that moment where I was like, oh, right. I have the best parents yeah. in the world. But I remember with aunts and uncles and them sometimes, like, sure, it, it like struck a chord really fast. Like how, um be it just like a little kid just navigating the world. Yeah. <laughs> Go to bed.
1: Um. So Kevin dutifully goes to his room. Um, with toys all over the floor, gets into his bed. This
0: is when I got mad at you. Um uh
1: he's reading um you got mad at me? You did not
0: tell me there were jump scares in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there are two, and the first one is very alarming.
1: Sack up, Kate. Um <laughs> so um uh he um he's reading in bed about history and it's like Turn the light off! And it is off, but of course it's not off. So he turns the light off and he rolls over to go to bed. And um, all of a sudden, a knight in armor, on horseback, bursts through his closet door. Um, and and starts riding around his room. And he, the guy swings an, an axe over his head or something. Knocks the chandelier out of the deal. And then uh, jumps over his bed, over Kevin. And then the wall that should be there is just gone, and it's a huge forest, and he gallops away. And um, then uh, Kevin closes his eyes, opens it back up, room's fine. So was that a dream? What happened? He gets up, and he looks at all, all these photos tacked all over his wall, because he's a bit of a shutterbug. And one of them is a picture of the knight riding a horse, down away from him in the forest. And he's like, how could that be here? I never took this picture. And so he's going, he's like, well, this is crazy. And then, but the dad opens the door and says, what's all this noise? Get back in bed, Kevin. Um, and he's very angry. So then the next day we are taken to believe he wants to go to bed early. Like, no, you can't go to bed now. You've got to wait till your food goes down or you will be up all night. Um, and he says, uh, Then he waits, and they're still watching this video thing of um, Money, Your Life, featuring Jim Broadbent, the brilliant Jim Broadbent, before he was known as the brilliant Jim Broadbent, very young looking, um, is the host, plays the host of this. Uh, There's this woman named Beryl, B-E-R-Y-L, which is a wonderful old-timey name. Um, And all I need to know is what famous film star begins with the letter C. Come on now. Your husband's gonna drown in this vat of custard. Pick and dick a name any name. And I'm just like, Clark Gable! Clark Gable! And he, she didn't say it. So her husband drowned because she couldn't, she was under so much pressure. A poor Barrel couldn't come up with the name. But um, maybe she hated but then, her husband. Could be. Like,
0: oh no. Could be. It's
1: a really, <laughs> it's a really, that's a really smart way to get rid of your husband. Right? Clever. You know? actually, that's, that's good. Um, no jury would convict. Um, that- Kevin. I was like, the food's gone down now. Can I please go to bed? He's like, yeah, yeah, go to bed. Um, so he stakes out his own closet. He climbs into bed wearing his robe uh, and his pajamas. And he's got a Polaroid camera. And he's pointing it at his, at his closet, waiting for it to come out. And nothing happens. He waits. And eventually he falls asleep. And then... Uh, His closet door starts to open, Um, but uh, he doesn't wake up yet. Uh, uh, Six little people come out of the closet. Um, uh, The leader is wearing a World War I pilot goggles, helmet, and a monocle, as well as a British redcoats uniform. Another guy is a pirate slash bandito. (laughs) Another has a Viking helmet with only one horn. Another has a top hat and a shawl made out of the skin of an ocelot, like a little little um, a spotted cat. Another one has a chainmail headpiece, like a tiny Scott Steiner. <laughs> he's like uh, little Papa Pump, not big Papa Pump. He's little Papa Pump.
0: Little Papa Pump, yeah.
1: Um, and uh, they um they want to know uh they Kevin wakes up, startles them, and they. Get him! How do we get out of here? Where are we? Get out of here! How do we get out of here? Um, so I it, love
0: sure. Who are you? that they were scared. Like yeah. it's so rare that we get to see that of the person that like bursts into the room, and it, it sets the tone for the adventure yeah. that they're about to right. go on um, yeah. as well, which I, I really liked both jump scares. Uh, I'm calling them that and. Yeah. <laughs> chopping mall could never they caught me the first one really caught me off guard but i loved the idea that there's no way you would
1: expect a a knight on horseback to burst out of a wardrobe you know true with chopping
0: mall i did expect there to be killer very slow moving Mm -hmm. robots yes so uh it i just loved that they go to beat him up right like the idea that they're jarred in the new environment is something we never get, like, in fantasy stuff. It's like, well, of mm-hmm. course I was on horseback and burst through this wardrobe. Like, we never mm-hmm. get them being jarred in the new environment they went into, but we immediately see this completely mismatched gang of, of little guys, right? So mm-hmm. um, I I just loved that aspect of it. It's so much fun.
1: Um, So they end up, like, He gets out of bed, they end up pushing him up against this wall, and they find that the wall moves like it, it, it pushes down and becomes like a hallway. Like, oh, we found it! And then they they push it, and they make, um, and Kevin's like, what's going on? And then a giant, floating, backlit, glowing head shows up. Um, and uh, so
0: creepy, he found us. Move,
1: you gotta help us, and so they're pushing this thing, and they keep pushing it and pushing it as the he- head chases them. And eventually, they push it, and it just the floor disappears from underneath them, and they just fall into nothingness. And they land in the vicinity of an old barn. There's, there's geese and, and chickens.
0: We gotta talk and, about the creepy floating head, though, because like this was so well done in an era before special effects yeah. and for this is like the all-knowing being, right? So for so much religious overtone in movies that they do and any of their work that they do, having right. this be this simple but this intimidating like yeah. work even 40 years later or whatever, this still right. really like really it's it's really well done. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, they, we, we have no idea what this is at the time, but immediately yes. you go, okay, so that's God. And, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, just, they don't contextualize they, they, it yet, but we
0: know. They don't
1: contextualize it yet, but you kind of figure something out, but they are scared to death, uh, and run away. So, um, uh, everyone gets they go into the barn. They're looking around. Okay. The coast is clear. Uh, let's do a little roll call to find out who this is. Okay. So, um, uh Randall is obviously the leader just the way he carries himself and the way they always defer to him. Uh he is the smallest. Well, not the smallest, he's the second smallest. But um they all have they're all dwarfs, have different kinds of dwarfism. Um and uh it's the different different sizes, different um proportions. Randall has incredibly short arms, the actor does um and it, they use it to a great effect of how he moves through the world um and stuff like that but he's great this this little guy yeah. is great and i'm surprised they wasn't in more stuff through the 80s um uh it is a horrible tragedy the way he died um he committed suicide in a public park um uh and he had just been cast in like an episode of next generation like Park next generation he was all ready to be in that and then he um he attempted suicide so they fired him and then he went through with it and it's just a horrible thing that happened and he was not he wasn't he was like thirty nine when he killed himself it's a horrible thing that he that happened um and you you i I can't imagine like living life because a lot of um in a lot of dwarfism, there is a lot of pain just moving through the world. Um, so, like, there's that plus whatever ridicule that they may have um, suffered. All that kind of stuff. But,
0: sure, um, and then, like, you're going to be cast as this for the rest right. of your life, but you probably have these really, like, <laughs> robust right. dreams,
1: um, right? Um, uh, Terry Gilliam wanted to make a sequel and was in the process of figuring out what the sequel was going to be when... Um, that
0: happened
1: when that happened, and so they, they well, we can't do it without Randall. He's the most important um, wow. part of the thing, so we can't do it. Um, and which is true, I don't know how it wouldn't it wouldn't really work without him. Um, anyway, the the way that best way he looks like a tiny John Lennon in the face. <laughs> he does like his his facial features are very resemblance of resemblance of John Lennon, but he's he's very good in this. But then there's the, the other the other guys are Og, who is uh, big and dumb. Well, as big as little people get, but and dumb. Um uh Strutter, who is the older one. Uh Glasses, he seems to be the smartest one, but he defers to, to Randall. Vermin, the one who is a hobo who eats everything. Um uh Wally, who is like the second in command, kind of, uh, and Fidget, who is uh not very smart, and little, even for a little person. That's Kenny Baker who was famously the guy inside R2-D2 in the Star Wars movies.
0: Oh, wow. Like that little robot,
1: that little white and blue robot, there was a guy inside it, operating it, and that's Kenny Baker.
0: Oh, um, wow, that's cool, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, a lot of these these guys were in the Star Wars movies, because a lot of them were all filmed in Britain, so... Um, sure. Yeah, that makes so, sense. yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. Um, this is where Fidget tells Kevin everything, but probably shouldn't the way that everyone's reacting to him. Um, uh, who, who was that? Who was that man with the giant head who was chasing us Says Kevin? Oh, that was no man. That was the supreme being. You mean God? Well, we don't, we're not on a first name basis with him. We only work (laughs) for him. And it's like, it was very, very cute. It's charming. Um, it's really, it's really very charming. charming. Um, so they work for the supreme being. We don't find out m- yet what's going on, but they're they, they're holding this map and they're trying to find a way how to get out of how to do the map. We don't know what the map is yet, but Kevin doesn't really like what what is happening here. So he runs away, and they run after him. Kevin is almost trampled by soldiers on horseback, and then we realize what time we're not in the right. We're not the same time anymore. Um, there's a bunch of ca- uh, cannon fire. Um, we are in Italy in 1796 at the Battle of Castiglione. Uh, Napoleon has just sacked uh, this, uh, this place, and that is why we're here. We are here to rob Napoleon.
0: I adore... When I said everything moves so seamlessly last time, and you were like, well, there's basically Monty Python sketches in these, which are the definition of not seamless. No. Things like... It, like the artistic transitions between the scenes is what i i think i meant more of like that yeah. stampede thing everything happens so smooth on how you get from time period to time yeah. period or so demonstratively insanely um and there's not really a repeated way every single time that it uh it, it feels very fluid and then things like this it's like oh my god we're in a different time period but like now you're just in that time period it's not so like what are we doing in the like? It, it's really um, it's really clever how the introductions to every new era happen.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh. So, this is where they they meant to be here, I guess. They're here to rob Napoleon. Um. And um.
0: Famous, anyway, very so, tall man. So right yeah, off the bat.
1: <laughs> right, Kevin. Um, is all is almost like. People are being forcibly relocated out of the city, and he almost gets swept up in that, but then gets pulled into the bushes by uh, by the time bandits, by little guys. Um, and um, this is where they find out they have to get into the city so they can do their their robbing. Um, and but they can't get through the over the bridge. They're going to go under cover of darkness by rowboat. Uh, very uh, atmospheric, but also very absurd. But there are just—it's just literally cannon fire. Everything's exploding around them. Everything's fiery. It's—it's <laughs> um, uh, it's very cool. Um, there's firing squads. It's—it's just, it's just a completely uh, crazy. Um, um, so um, Napoleon is sitting in a bombed-out theater. It's played by Ian Holm, the great Ian Holm before he was the great Ian Holm. A lot of a lot of like. These are people who are like, wow, you know, um, that, that went on to do more things. Um, and uh, I guess Ian Holm was, yeah, he'd already been an in, in alien by then. So he would, he had, he had a, he had a good career going, um, but he's, um, he's Napoleon and he's sitting there and he's got the hand in the jacket and that comes into play later. But, uh, and he's sitting there and he's laughing his ass off at this puppet show up on a stage. Um, But his generals are trying to get him to formally accept the unconditional surrender of the (laughs) mayor of the town. Because because until that happens, the war is still happening. Once, like, that's why the firing squads are still going. The mayor has been waiting to be seen by Napoleon for eight hours. He's been watching this puppet show, it's implied, for eight hours. and. and he won't because he's having too much fun. Uh, he also he also admonishes his generals for standing too close to him, making him feel short. Um, and uh, a the puppeteer is shot by a stray bullet and dies. And so the the leader of this troop of players feels like his life is in danger unless he can somehow find a way to um, to please. Napoleon, which he's probably right about, um, but all of the acts he brings on stage to replace the puppet the puppet show um, are too tall, according to Napoleon. So, what a perfect opportunity for our friends who are sitting there waiting to to rob him to jump up on stage, um, and they sing "Me and My Shadow" badly, sing and dance. Um, it's a song from 1927. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the in, the incongruousness of the. They all know the song "Me and My Shadow," of course. Uh, well, know it, basically. They, some of Ish. them are fumbling the lines, but anyway. Um, but uh, but it's just, it's a very popular song written in 1927. But but it's just with what we find out about them um, uh, later that they've been basically God's little helpers since the beginning of time. is very interesting to me. Anyway, um, Napoleon um uh we, we think maybe he's not listening like this but then he comes backstage and he loves them he loves them so much that he fires his generals and makes the little people his new generals um so uh Napoleon uh ends up getting drunk listing all of the um all of the leaders who are shorter than him by the way Napoleon was actually five foot six which was
0: Actually, average
1: height for that time. Uh, average average height for that time. And yeah. I don't know what it's it's very odd that we that in in, in uh pop culture and in throughout history he's been described as, as being so tiny when really he was just an average height person.
0: Average size dude, then yeah.
1: <laughs> um but uh <sighs> um so he, he gets drunk and passes out, and the little guys uh steal all of the stolen good goods that he has, including a copy of the Mona Lisa. Uh, or actually probably the real Mona Lisa. Um, and uh, of jewels and everything. They even pull his hand out from under his thing, and his hand that he keeps inside the thing is solid gold. So they unscrew it from his wrist and take the hand as well. Um, and uh, um, then they uh, they end up, because they're the generals, they can order everybody to turn around and not look at them as they walk out of the place dragging a rug a, a drapes or whatever that is laden with all this gold until one of the uh uh deposed generals who's now just wearing underwear sees them and uh and they run after them but they know apparently the the map tells them where there are doors in time they call them time holes um, and you can pass through them. But they only open for a very limited window, and then they shut. So they have to time it just right so they get to the place when they do, and they can't get there too late or they're screwed. But if they get there too early, it won't be there yet. So they, they've they timed out this window where they could do the robbery perfectly. So um, they end up running through it, and the door closes, and then all the uh, French soldiers bang into each other
0: like just classic body python right yep. <laughs> the way they bang yep. into each other the way they're fumbling over each other this whole thing yeah. is so great too because it's as many layers as you want to read into it right of um how ridiculous it is that um wars can go on at the behest of leaders who are preoccupied and mm-hmm. um, people getting put in positions of power simply because somebody likes the way they are like there's so right. many things or if you're a kid and you're just watching this it's just a guy mm. watching a puppet show right so very 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 well done um i just the idea that they unscrew his hand was so funny to me and the i like the urgency of the time portal whatever you want to call it like having to work within a certain window is just automatically a super fun element that gets yeah. added on to that because yeah
1: it, the idea that it's not a time machine that you have with you, a la a, a phone booth.
0: Right. In yeah. Bill and Ted's <laughs> Excellent Adventure. But it is. Exactly.
1: But it, it, it is at a specific time and place. And these windows are only open for about 30 seconds, maybe. Right. Um, you can travel through time. Um, but you have to get there at that time in order to do it. And the map apparently tells them where those things are. And I guess somehow when they will be open. but. Um, but that's what the map is for. This is this map. They've stolen the map from the Supreme Being. And that's why he's angry with them and is chasing them through time. That is the, the deal. Um, so now we are in the Middle Ages. There is a coach being pulled by a horse. Michael Palin from, um, uh, from Monty Python uh, and Shelley Duvall. From a lot of things, but probably most famously the shining but she's a she's a very talented comedic actress um uh, are in the back of a coach. they haven't seen each other in twelve years, but they're old they're old flames Vincent and dame pansy um uh, is it, Dom, uh, vincent do do you have the the problem anymore? oh no 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 problem's cleared up uh the 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 problem keeps looking at his genitals um i don't know what the problem exactly is, but it's the genital problem. Um that now we will make make for Dover and we will be in Paris by nightfall, and we shall get married on the morrow um but then the little guys uh fall from the sky and crash to the top of the coach, and the coach like falls over, and the guy driving the horse just rides away um yep. but Vincent and Pansy are very scary, very scared of all this stuff they take their they take their money a uh, little chest of money, and they run away into the forest Um Pansy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, like, uh and so, uh, he's, they, so Kevin asks fidget, is it always like this when you do a raid? I don't know. We've never done one before. Um, and it's like, but you told me you were international criminals. <laughs> we're going to be. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> and, uh, so this is their first attempt at doing this. Um, which is very funny. Um, so this is where, um. Randall lets Kevin in on the whole story. We've been working for him since the beginning of time. Um, uh, we, you know, obviously <laughs> he handled the most important thing: create the universe, men and women, all that sort of thing. But you got to delegate. So um, we were in charge of trees, <laughs> and um, and then uh, then we got fired just for creating the pink bunker. Do what's a pink bunker? Do oh, great big tree, six hundred feet. Bright red leaves smelled horrible, uh, but it was a great idea. Wasn't it Og? It was his idea. Um, and uh, I, um, so anyway, uh, we got, we got um, uh, bust down to repairs. That's what it was. Repairs. It says repairs. What do you mean repairs? Well, I don't know. The fabric of the universe is uh, not quite complete. We only had seven days to do it. It's kind of a botched job. Um, so we have to go around and find repairs. So the map shows us where all the holes are that we have to repair. But instead of repairing the holes, why not go through them, travel through time, travel through space and time, um, and and make a butt ton of money. And uh, and so that's their idea. That's this idea that they had. That's why they. That's why they they um, uh, stole the map.
0: I just love the obsession with shrubbery and trees from these guys. <laughs> I love it <laughs> never they get away
1: it. um so kevin they're all celebrating because they have all this all this money that they stolen from napoleon and kevin's like hey why don't i take a picture of everybody with my polaroid camera and um and like no no hold up the map so they take a picture of everyone holding the map that is uh that is our thumbnail for this video is that particular photo um that's important for much later in the film yes. uh that picture of them holding the map now um we hear that Vincent and Pansy have been captured by other bandits, not time bandits like regular bandits. Um, and so the, the bandits take all of their money and clothes and uh, run away. Um, and, uh, and the boys like, those are all kind of people let's follow them. <laughs> and, um, but while they're following them, uh, they uh, walk into a bunch of snare traps Um. And, uh, when the, ba- the other bandits, the evil, the real bandits come over and like, um, they pass themselves off as fellow evil robbers, but they talk about all the kinds of people that they would gut and, or rob from. And, uh, and they're like, okay, you convinced us. And Randall's like, Hey, I think we should have a link up between our two gangs. So why don't you take me to your boss and we can talk about it. <clears throat> um, so we come to this like camp in the woods, a lot of people there a guy is arm wrestling and like ripping people's arms off like all right who's next and he tosses his like this is sliced alone from over the top times a million yeah. but he's just he's just tossing the arms into a basket full of arms which is a very much a um uh a Monty Python type of sketch just like everyone lining up to get their arms ripped off is is uh, very much that but um they're also spitting for accuracy and distance but um this is where they go and get the, the their boss And out walks John Cleese in the most stereotypical Robin Hood costume you've ever seen. This is this is like, um, and he is like um a a very high ranking member of Parliament. Like that is how he behaves. The way that they've they've made Robin Hood into the very type of guy that he might be stealing from. Yes. Um, and he's like, uh, it's like, and they all line up like you like you see um uh the only thing I could think of um that resembles this in the movies that that I've seen in love actually where the new prime minister Hugh Grant meets all of his staff and he walks down the line and shakes all their hands and asks them innocuous weird questions that is that is this um that is taken from this which is taken from real life but he's like um uh oh uh, 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 you're robbers then surely good uh, how long have you been robbing them Oh, crikey! That's wonderful. <laughs> just he's just so polite How long have about you everything. been
0: robbing? Four foot one was mm. one of the funniest lines. Yes, uh, ever. Think, um, it's a pretty long time. so?
1: Um, so, um, uh, so, so you, you, you. So then you, you were also a robber. And then uh, Wally says, "Well, it helps pay the rent, sir." <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. Pays the rent. Ah, uh, jolly good. Um, and he's just he's just this guy, and then he ends up talking um to uh to Randall, and he's like, um, he's like, so your uh, robber what 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 you've got there in the hall? Like, oh, here we are, sir. This is and then then shows all this stuff. Wow, crikey in all my years, I've never seen anything like this. The poor are going to be absolutely thrilled. The poor? Oh, yes, have you, have you not met them? Wonderful people, uh, a bit dirty perhaps, but the wonderful people, and they're going—they're going to love it. Not only are they going to be absolutely thrilled, but they're going to be not poor anymore. Thank you so much. And so uh, the poor line up, and everyone gets like a golden chalice with jewels all over it, and then uh one of the bandits punches them. Yep. And every time that that guy speaks some kind of weird uh Scottish that that um, it can't be understood, and so jean Cleese asks, him, like, "Could you ask him if it's absolutely necessary?" Um it's like and then a guy says he says it is uh so. yeah.
0: right <laughs> <laughs> right and they're right also oh,
1: getting punched
0: in the most Monty Python punched- way, oh, right? Like oh, yeah. in, just um in that very slapsticky um, um another uh, another fun little kind of um societal message yeah. commentary there yeah. of of just like even if you get something, you have to get mm-hmm. punched in the head, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah.
1: And it's so so. the bureaucracy of um, we will be taking this and we will be redistributing it because it is now ours. This The, the way course. it is done in such a as, um, uh, bureaucratic way. Um, so then Kevin's like, I'd like to stay as if all the other guys are leaving. Um, and uh, But he gets pulled away and is like, oh, oh, well, potter, cheerio. Good to see you. Bye bye then. Ah, yes. And then they finally are out of earshot. He goes, "Awful people." And <laughs> he just, he's just—he's just John Cleese. That's the one one scene. John Cleese, one scene done. Cool little cameo. That's it. You never see him again. Very and fun. And what a um, fun
0: flamboyant portrayal of mm-hmm, Robin Hood too. With mm-hmm. A blast.
1: Um, so now they're walking along. They're fighting over the map at a giant rainstorm, and this is where we meet the evil one who is watching them. Um, who knows them? Who's watching them? He goes, oh, horrible little little creatures! I wouldn't try- trust them to wipe their own noses. And then he's got these little henchmen who are in rain ponchos that are all covered in slime, and they're they're all very dumb. But this one goes, "Oh no, sir! Wiping their own noses is much too difficult for them." <laughs> um, what sort of supreme being creates such riffraff? Is he a complete incompetent? But he created you, sir. What did you say? Well, if he created you, then he can't be a total incompetent. And then he explodes him by, like, just pointing at him. He explodes. Never talk to me like that again. But he can't because you exploded, exploded
0: him. Yeah. This, is,
1: this is some of the greatest absurdist comedy um, in the film. And... Um, and uh David Warner plays evil one is amazing, and all the little guys who play the henchmen are all fantastic too. um And uh, he says, "Evil existed long before good. I made myself. I cannot be unmade. I am all powerful." And another guy in a rain poncho steps forward and goes, "But why, if that's the case, are you unable to escape from this fortress?" Explodes because the guy pointed at him again. He says, "Why, why are you unable to escape this fortress?" <laughs> Good question. Um, why have I let the supreme being... let me? Keep, will you say good question after you blow him up? It's so, it's
0: so well-timed um, and so um, funny. I'm just like, if you question anything, you will be exploded.
1: Um, wh- why have I let the supreme being keep me here in the fortress of uh, ultimate darkness? Let him keep me here to loam lo- lo- me the falsehoods of security. When I get out of here, I will be the ruler of the world. And the world will be a much better place because I have understanding. Understanding of what, sir? digital watches <laughs> says, and when and soon I will have understanding of video cassette recorders and car telephones and when I have understanding of them I will have understanding of computers and when I have understanding of computers I will be the supreme being computers in 1981 if you would understand them you're the supreme being wild um, God isn't interested in technology he knows nothing of the potential of the microchip or the silicon revolution Look how he spends his time. Forty-three species of parrots. <laughs> Michael Palin, you couldn't get away without without using parrots in there. Um, uh, he makes he made slugs. Slugs can't hear. They can't think. They can't operate machinery. Are we not in the hands of a lunatic? If I were creating a world, I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. And he's David Warner is so great for this. Um, uh, that he's describing who the devil is basically uh that he's obsessed with technology and that is what he is lulling the people in the world to sleep with with all of this technology which in 1981 was pretty prescient for the way the rest of the 20th century and the 21st century would go um but uh one of the guys, Benson, this very big, bald one, is like, look, sir, it's them. They've got the map. And they can look through this pool of water and see all the little guys. Um, and he's, uh, he says he's going to mind control one of them. And they're trying to figure out where they're going to go. And Og says the things put into, the, put into his mind by uh, thing. He says, um, uh, there's a place where we can find the greatest thing a man could want, the goal of everybody's hopes and dreams. The most fabulous object in the world. And was like, "Oh, that sounds like a great idea." Let's get like, ah, they're so <laughs> greedy. Um, but uh, Kevin's like, "No, you shouldn't do that." And like, I don't like that one. Says the evil one. Well, who's that one? Let's get rid of him first. But then the floating head reappears, and they're all very scared, and they have to go and run toward um, these the time doors, which, they've, which have which have have opened up, um, and they run toward them, but they all fall over in the mud. Except for Kevin who gets there and it's like, um, which one do I choose? Like, doesn't matter, just go. And he runs into the left one and goes, not that one. Like, so no, you can't you can't say doesn't matter, just go. And then not not that one.
0: So Monty Python. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um uh, so uh, he he now. Now we're in ancient Greece. Yes. There are two warriors locked in mortal combat. One of one of the dudes is wearing a hollowed-out bull carcass head. He's war- fighting with a giant club. Another guy is fighting with a sword and a shield. Um it's a distraction finish, obviously. It is because yes. um uh sword you gotta got it you gotta protect uh the yeah. guy with the bull head. Yeah. Uh the, bull Buchanan, I think is his, his <laughs> name. Um and uh gotta protect old bull. Um, he, uh, Kevin falls out of the sky and lands on top of the dude who's already fallen over. Um, uh, and the dude, the bullhead is very, uh, surprised by this. So he's distracted. So he, he reaches down, picks up a knife and throws it, uh, and, and hits the, the, the big dude with the bullhead, bobu Buchanan in the belly with the knife and he dies. Um, and, uh. Darren, it's one of those things. It, it's on Max. If you if you subscribe to Max, uh, it's a it's a very very it's an under underknown known movie. I guess it's like it's yeah. like people. A lot of people I I, I talked to about this have never actually heard of it. That's really good. Um. So, um. The the guy who is now alive because Kevin landed on him uh, takes off his helmet and it's Sean Connery. It, like who's the one of the biggest stars in the world.
0: Uh, at a the time. young, dare I, I say mean, hunky, young-ish.
1: Sean he time. was in his 50s, but he... he uh, was it really
0: he, good for him? Yeah. He
1: good. yeah. <laughs> 81, um, he was in his 50s. Um, he looked
0: like he should be an ancient grace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, he they, they did a really good part. job
1: with that, but also, but he didn't sound like it.
0: No. Like, Who are you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> take this on my horse. We'll go back. It's still the,
0: Sean Connery. Like <laughs>
1: it's, it's Sean Connery. You cannot be Sean Connery. You can only I mean, be Sean Connery.
0: Um, uh, but, but I was um, like, he was already an established star at this point. Like right. I was, I, I had no idea he was in this, and it was such a refreshing little surprise in this. How fun! Yeah.
1: He says, uh, he says, uh, come with me back to the city, and I'll introduce you to my wife, Clytemnestra. Um, and uh, and we go and we go back to the city. It's this is King Agamemnon is, is who Sean Connery is. Um, and, uh, Kevin's like, well, I'm, I, I don't know if I should, if I should go with you. Cause I'm with friends and Sh- Sean Connery's like, all right, well, if your friends ever show up, uh, here's some water, you could like, no, no, I'll, I'll come with you. Yeah. So Kevin, Kevin, um, goes there. Um, and, uh, Sean Connery's like the, the enemy of the people is dead. Hooray. King of Mycenae, uh, King Aymagman, and he like basically adopts him because um, because Kevin's like I don't ever want to go back. Also, yeah. Kevin is taking a lot of photos with a Polaroid camera, and no yeah, one's he runs out of, the of the no steak. film.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and, but, and no but, one's burning with it. And no one, no one in other time periods, especially sure. like ancient Greece. Yeah, like were you shut by the gorge? Yeah. Um, No, I no, I just I know it's diff. It's complicated. Um, uh, that's the biggest plot hole in the movie. Somehow, is that nobody, nobody in different time periods thinks that the the Polaroid camera is scene. weird. Um, well, because
0: there's a lot you can excuse because of the slapstickiness, too. Yeah. So, um, I loved this because I was thinking a lot about like the opening scene when it feels like Kevin is dismissed, and then he has almost like this. There's, it feels like a very paternal moment in in this right. um, and yeah. I just loved like the him not wanting to go back made it feel like he went to visit his cool uncle and he's visiting into Greece, yeah. right like it it yeah. was just such a nice uh felt very authentic the relationship between the two of them I also right. thought this kid actor did a pretty all right job this whole time yeah he, he did um, all right
1: uh, he um he says uh, I don't ever want to go back um, um, well will you will you miss your French? Or your mother or your father. Uh no? I just want to stay here. Yeah. All right then. <laughs> <laughs> um and they do a big ceremony to um to mark him being now the sole heir to the throne. And Clytemnestra, who is who has no no lines, uh, but um uh, is very does not like uh, just tell my wife I still run the shitty. Um and so they don't, they don't like they don't get well get get along very well. Uh, but she's not she's not happy about um uh, this boy that just fell into the city. Walked uh, in
0: here yesterday Polaroid camera. Um,
1: um but anyway, um uh but he but we we know from seeing that he loves history and, and especially the Greeks, he was reading all about it, so he wants to stay here. Why do we want to stay here and be heir to the throne of Mycenae? Yeah, it's a great that's a great gig. Um but uh there's a big ceremony to mark him as, as the new heir, and uh there's a bunch of dancers in, in elaborate costumes and it turns out the dancers when they take off the heads of their of their costumes are the little guys and they have somehow and kevin's like no this is bad and they they start <laughs> moving around like oh we're gonna do a big magic trick everybody give us all of your jewels and gold and um everyone does um and they're like now we need a volunteer from the audience and uh they pull kevin in there and kevin does not want to go Um, but they, they have apparently timed out. There will be a time hole opening up right where they're standing at this particular moment. Um, and so they do a disappearing act where they hold up the little thing and then they all go away and everyone's like, yeah, that was great. (sighs) You can come out now. And they, they never do. Uh, so Sean Connery is very upset that his adopted son just vanished. And I wonder if we like, you find that in history books now. Uh, oh
0: yeah probably. Yeah,
1: King, King Agamemnon was uh, you know his his adopted son vanished. Cut to an ocean liner and we see Vincent and Pansy again. They are now be- reincarnated into different Vincents and Pansies, which is something that the movie is now is telling us. I feel like it's telling us that that everyone it's a it's a that he that God only made a few a few hundred models of yes. man and woman. And they just get recycled over and over again. Um, and um, and so v- Vincent and Pansy's like, I love the ocean. God, how I love her. She's so damned wet. Yes. Wet. So damned, damned wet. Pansy, would you ever? Be able to share a house with a man who has a thing on the end of his nose? He's got a big wart on the end of his nose. Yes, of course. Um, um, everyone's got something. I mean, I myself have an enormous Pansy! Pansy, would you... Would you... Would you marry? And then all the things fall. Of course. All the guys on top of him. But they also they knock everybody down. Uh, and uh, uh, Vincent's hairpiece falls off. And that is too much for Pansy. And she runs yeah. away. Like no pansy, it's only the thing on my nose and the hairpiece. That's all that's wrong with me. Please, pansy, come back. And pansy um, has
0: quite some hairdos herself, to be honest. Oh, no, she does.
1: So she sure does. Uh,
0: the I have quite a big pansy. Um, very much reminded me of huge tracts of, of land. land. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um.
1: Uh. So that night. All the little guys are in tuxedos, which I guess they've presumably bought in the ship somewhere and was fitted and tailored to them um, with all of the gold that they brought with them from Greece.
0: I love um, the way this happens because they're just sitting there looking great with no explanation. Mm -hmm. And it almost felt like when you're... Somewhere in, in the process of moving on, they, yep. you've been outfitted differently, almost like superheroes. Mm-hmm. So just like you get changed into different outfits. And I mm-hmm. loved even the, the camera shot when this kind of gets revealed is, is so, yeah. so, so fun. I love this.
1: Um, so uh, Randall is um, trying to win over Kevin with his big... Um, it's like, look right here on the map, the Time of Legends what are you talking about randall there's no such thing um no it's right here all you got to do is believe in it and in the middle of the uh, of the time of legends the fortress of ultimate darkness and in the fortress of ultimate darkness is the most fabulous object in the world um and uh and like um we're going to do it we're going to do it. I, I know how to do it i have i have a plan waiter more champagne and the waiter is like yes and moves that way and then behind the waiter you can see titanic And uh, we hit the iceberg, everybody goes in the thing, and so they're now now they're all floating in uh, clanging onto some kind of plank. And um, uh, so then Og is mind controlled again. Uh, now is the time to start our quest for the most fabric object in the world um and yeah that's a good idea says randall Abandoned plank but fidget can't swim and they're all going into a whirlpool that has now been started by the evil one to bring them into the time of legends um and they fall through like a the film is like negative yeah like it's a so like so their their black tuxedos are now white tuxedos when they land in the new spot i thought that was kind of cool um it's
0: very cool, especially because they're wearing white going to, like, the Most Evil Place. And yeah. I also just love that they used Titanic as a, um, well, one, it's a nice foreshadowing of disaster happening, right? They're mm-hmm. being, like, sucked in the Most Evil Place. But everywhere else in time travel movies is, it's like, so often it's just the settings of these places to go to, like, a place that was also a moment in time, like a historic yeah. event, I thought was a, a clever idea.
1: Right. Um, so there, there's a ship on the ocean, some kind of little schooner, um, uh, with the sails and everything. And this is where we meet an ogre and his wife. Uh, the wife is played by Catherine Helmund, who would go on to not only be in all of, um, Terry Gilliam's, um, movies, but also, uh, Mona on who's the boss. Um, so that's, that's Catherine Hellman. Um, but she's very doting no. on her husband, who is an ogre. He is very ailing. He has a bad back and he's got a wound on his leg that needs ointment. Um, and, he's not um, doing
0: great. no, he's yet. not doing
1: great. He's got a t- terrible bad back. He can't even cough because it, it, it hurts too much. Um, so he goes out to fish. Well, not for fish, for boots. He's trying to catch a boot cause he wants to eat a boot. Um, goes out to fish with a net. Uh, but they end up catching all the dwarves all the little guys who were out on the uh, they're in the middle of the ocean in a different spot and they pull them back in and he's um and she's like I'll go get the the big pot to start boiling it and the and the skewers so we can kill so we can eat all of them for breakfast she says um and uh he scares them to keep them from from running away uh, cuz they're all in the net and um uh, is and and um but he throws his back out while doing this. And Kevin is like. Do you have a you have a bad back? Um, oh, I know a cure for bad backs. What you need is stretching. Stretching. And then they stretch him out. They like lay him down on the thing. And, each, and a bunch of them grab legs and arms and pull. And you hear all the cracks in his spine. And he's like oh that feels amazing. And then they heave him over the side. <laughs> uh, into the water. Like oh this water is wonderful. I can swim again. Uh, and the wife comes out looking for him. And they just knock her over the side and then they commandeer the ship. Uh it's it is um it's a it's an interesting little, very fantastical, um, but but with the same sensibilities as mighty python characters. Yes. Like, oh dear, why don't you sit and I'll get you the unguat for your for your thing? It's like and uh it's like no, no, it was I grew too fast when I was younger. That's wrong, that's what happened, and that's why my back is out now. Um it's very uh very Monty Python-esque. Um so the boat is not actually a boat though. This is my favorite thing, I think, in the it's whole so movie, as, as an idea. The boat is actually a hat for a giant, and the and the the giant is walking with the hat above the water. that the the ogre and his wife live in. I don't know, but I'm not, it's fantastical. And he walks toward the shore. And as the water gets lower, his head is above the thing until he's literally walking out of the thing. He's 50, 100 feet tall.
0: He's so Um, great.
1: uh, It's a really cool um, idea. Um, And they, like, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's look around the ogre's wife's kitchen. And we find a a bottle marked sleeping potion, and let's find um, an old um, fire bellows thing and inject it into the top of the of the thing's scalp. Like, let's remove all the planks at the bottom of the of the of the of the, of the hold of the boat, and there's just scalp there. So let's stick it in there and inject him with sleeping potion. Um, and uh, he gets so tired that he has to sit down, take off his boat hat and take a nap and so they are able to get out of the boat hat and and run away uh, it's, it's really so clever it's a really cool idea and it's excellently executed like someone's yeah. gonna have a cool idea and it doesn't look good this looks great
0: it looks awesome It it's so um and the whoever played the giant actor too just like mm-hmm the non-acknowledgement of the fact that this is all going on is so crucial of <laughs> just like this right. guy's just in his life right um so and the sound effects that are behind it when he goes to sit down like it's mm-hmm. all just it's really um not effects but i, I guess effects they're just not cartoonish right like, everything is so so brilliantly executed the way this all comes together and to your yeah. point just such a clever idea like to to think of it in that way of the ship yeah. is the boat is shaped like a hab. Is a fun idea.
1: Um, So they've been walking a a while through absolute nothingness. Like gravel and bones of other things that have starved and and thirsted to death. Um, And uh, they, he's trying to follow the map. And they end up walking into a a big glass. It looks like glass, but it's an invisible barrier. And they keep, they they do a lot of smooshing their faces up against it. Type of thing, um, but Randall's like this, it's here. We've reached the we've reached the the force. It's right on the map. I know where we are. We're here at the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness. And Wally's like your brain's gone, Randall. Look around you. There's nothing here. Give me that map. So Wally tries to attempt a mutiny, uh, and Randall's not having it. So he picks up a human skull that's just lying there, which is so which cool. will tell you it's probably not a good thing. And so he's gonna hit him with it. But he throws it, and while he ducks, and it hits the barrier, which shatters. And then behind the barrier, you can still oh, see parts of the barrier are still there, so they're clear. So it's actually not, it's actually reflecting or whatever. But behind the barrier is just darkness and this path leading up to a horrible Fortress of Ultimate Darkness. But the shot like, shows you what the surface of the barrier lo- looks like to you. Um, And it is just this more of the white expanse of nothing, but behind it is something completely different. It was really, really cool looking.
0: It's for 1981. You said this was yeah. like the effects of this are, are brilliantly done. And Mm -hmm. I just love, we see them crossing time periods through these doors. And then to have just like a, a, I accidentally shattered this thing uh, via scenery in the same time period, but a different setting is such a, really really well done and to have those shards like you were saying that are still reflecting kind of what world they're in leading up to this dark path Mm -hmm. like visually extremely cool what happens in the this 10 minutes of the film from the (laughs) or whatever it is from the giant to to here is, Mm -hmm. is really well done
1: yeah um they so they they walk into the fortress kevin doesn't want to do this but they—they all—they're all—they're all going for the most fabulous hours of the world. They walk in the fortress, and it's a—it's a—it's a, a maze. Um, but um, it's on the surface. Under, like, if you step, up, there's no railings. If you step off the thing, you'll fall forever and die. But you, there's all these different pathways that you can take to go through this huge chamber. And on the other end is Jim Broadbent. As the um, game show host um, who is doing y- your money or your life, uh, as like, come on down here. Let's go and see you. Can you come here and win the most fabulous object in the world? And they're all running after him, and Kevin is staying put. Like, no, guys, come back. It's a trap. It's a trap. And so they finally get up there and like, well, look, you all of you, you've finally gotten here. Now let's have a look. At the thing that was able to bring you here today, the map, please. And he takes it, and it turns into the evil one. Oh, also, Kevin's mom and dad are there. Yes. In, this, in very fantastical uh, outfits. And he's like, Mom? Dad? Is that you? It's not them. It's it's his little underlings who are standing there with him. Um, but uh, they uh, they end up being put into a cage. Uh, while uh, Kevin gets grabbed by like a cattle skull on stilts with a shroud, it's a very weird looking creature. Um,
0: the contrast of like this being the evil fortress and also the Price is Right-esque presentation of it is so awesome. So perfectly cool. done.
1: So they're in this hanging cage. There are There are f- several cages you can see in this giant expanse of nothingness. Who knows how how (laughs) far um, below them until you hit the ground. Above them, who knows? But they're all suspended by giant ropes over all of these things. And um, Fidget is like, we should have just stayed. We should have done this. It's all our fault. And Randall's like, shut up. Um, uh, Vermin, of course, is eating a rat. (laughs) Um, might be the last meal you ever get. Eh? Um, anyway, um, this is where Kevin is looking through his old photos, kind of wistfully, realizing he's gonna die, and finds the photo of them holding the map. And you can see the map very clearly. And he's like, Here, look, right here on the map. Apparently, the biggest hole in the universe is basically right beneath their feet, is what they say. So, um, they uh, are going to escape. so it's a very ingenious plan. So really, I like, I, I honestly like the, the, the physics of it are really cool, but they have, they have Og picks the lock Wally he shimmies up the cage and uses a little knife to cut fibers from the giant rope. And he passes them down into the cage and then they fashion another rope very long. And they swing strutter like using a pendulum to swing him up underneath the other cage and then Wally uses a pendulum to swing from the cage that are all in underneath Strutter, who's somehow holding on for dear life and swings up to the other cage. And then Strutter swings underneath Wally all the way to the edge and is, is there. Then they set up all the ropes into a thing to make a zip line, which is just tethered to Strutter on the other end. Strutter's got a very strong back. Yes. Um, but this scene is really, really well shot. It's It has a, has a sense of like, Cause I don't, I don't remember the first time I watched it. If I was like one of the one of these or or multiple of these friends of of Kevin's could die here, but there is definitely a sense of of this this night might not work out for for our friends. And it was uh, it's very well well shot and um, well acted, and there's a lot of atmospheric dread in this
0: very much so i had written in my notes like near fall because it felt like that like it um because it's fantasy you forget about mortality a little bit i think a lot in this and yeah because kevin is like the normal human dude you forget the lives of the other people who are just these time bandits right um so same thing because then we see um we kind of see what they fake you out on a death in this, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. So, yeah. uh, but it is, it is very clever and it's always right. easier for me to buy into fantasy when things feel also grounded in reality in, right. in some way. And this brings back that suspense part of it for sure.
1: So, um, the evil one will not attempt to take over the world until the day after tomorrow. So you can spend the next 36 hours learning all about computers. Yes. Um, but first, um, now Benson, I shall have to turn you into a dog for a while, and he does so he can have a guard dog who w- watches over the map. And he says, "Robert, tell me about computers." Ah, a computer is an is an is an automatic electronic apparatus for making calculations. And he just he just basically does the the, the Webster's dictionary of it. Ah, yes. Now. Yeah, tell me about microchips. A microchip is and it just does that in the background. As um they're able to they're able to get down there and uh they, they, they sneak in um and they um they throw a human femur to distract the Benson dog and it works. Okay. Um and then uh, they send Og to scamper over because in view of where the evil one And these henchmen are, you can see this hallway and you have to cross the hallway to get um, to get to the map from where all the friends are. So Og runs over there and he gets the map um, and he looks and he's like, I can't cross. So he throws the map across. Right. And then he's like, "Okay, I think the coast is clear. And he runs across, but he, he gets seen by the by the evil one who uh who shoots him but he doesn't explode he turns into a pig man he's got a he's got a pig head and pig hooves uh but he's upright like a man uh he's a pig guy um and uh so they 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 all run away um and uh the these they're weird like it's a cattle skull on top of a shroud and men on stilts. It's a very, very they have a horrible screeching sound as they run after them. Yeah. So like they 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 run away and they're able to fight hide long enough. And Kevin says, You guys go down the time hole. Find whatever help you can and bring it back here. Um, and uh and he says, Aug and me will stay. So he's gonna be stay there with the pig man, and we'll distract them long enough for you to get back here. Um and of course, they turn. that Those guys run away, and they get around the corner right into the evil one. <laughs> Didn't quite work. Um, so, uh, so they're 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 being approached by all these guys. He's got the map, and he's got a torch. He's like, "Call off those creatures, or I'll burn the map." Says uh, says he says. Um, so, because uh, Randall and all the other guys wanted to leave, but Kevin convinces them. No, we have to steal the map from the evil one, or you use it to destroy the world. And they're like, okay, I guess that makes sense. So they, so they, they, they're now they're real heroes. Um, so he says, call off these creatures or I'll burn the map. He says, all right, fine. And he just snaps his fingers and all the little stilt cattle skull guys explode. And um, and he, and he, then he explodes um, <laughs> the guy who says computers are up. He explodes that dude and another little dude. Um. And then he's like, uh, he says, Benson. And Benson looks up and he explodes the dog.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is the evilest thing you could do.
1: Yeah, he says, call off your creatures. And instead of calling them off, he explodes all of them. Yes. And the next thing he says is, I'm a reasonable man. (laughs) <laughs> which, which of course he isn't, because you've just done this all this stuff. It's great you writing. Just
0: murdered a dog. Yeah.
1: It's great writing and even better acting. David Warner. It's he's so. The great. line
0: delivery great. is brilliant. Yeah. He's it's, so
1: good. It's so um, great. So Og runs away and uh, and he and he and he gets shot with a little laser and turns into a full pig. Now he's a full pig. Uh, runs away. Um, the evil one teleports the map out of Kevin's hand into his hand. I'm like, okay, well, now you're now you're dead. And he does this thing where he like it's very harrowing the way he like he, he brings his chin all the way down, but then looks up at you with his eyes, and then like everything just gets all very creepy. Really cool way of of doing all this, but you get the sense he was about to explode everything, everything. Um but through the wall comes Randall on a on a on a World War II era tank, and um fidget comes in with all these like Greek. Uh, Roman archers and um, was Strutter comes in with knights on horseback and um, Wally comes in with a very small rocket ship. I guess he went to the future. And then Vermin comes in with a bunch of cowboys who are literally saying, yeehaw. So hotty. And, funny. Um, so, and funny. so they've brought all of these warriors from different time periods to come after the evil one. And because they are all baby faces and therefore dumb, yes, they just attack him one at a time. So, so they all get, they all get messed up. Like the, the cowboys, uh, try and like lasso him, but he like spins them around and throws them far away. Uh, my favorite one is all the archers shoot him, but he like blows up yes. into a balloon and then like shoots the arrows back at them. That was really cool. Um, the Knights, uh, run into a giant cloud of mustard gas that he releases and they all end up stabbing each other with their lances. Um, uh, but um then uh that's all the it's all the little guy okay so now the vehicles they start shooting tank shells yes. which he just like deflects with his palm and the lasers coming out of Wally's spaceship being deflected with his palm and eventually he takes over the machines with the powers of his evilness and they are shooting everywhere all over the place it's like i can't control it of course not you silly little man i control them and um uh, Fidget is trying to run away, but uh, Wally's laser uh, shoots a column—giant, huge stone column—which falls down and squashes Fidget. Um, and uh, and it is really Jack Purvis is the name of the guy who plays Wally, and it still messes me up. Like one yeah. of the, like when I when I was a kid, like that moment where. Wally blames himself, but knows it actually is the guy's fault. But like, and he's like, um he's being held back by like, he's just tearing through them because I've never seen grief and rage portrayed yes. in such a vital way ever on film as Jack Purvis, as Wally in this moment. It's, it's a brilliant moment of acting, but it feels so real and you love fidget because fidget's the little dumb one yeah. and he's the perfect one to like die so everyone gets upset but it's it's a it's great so eventually they tackle him he and and he's just overcome with his grief but they've they had nothing they could do now the evil one has control of everything and he's gonna blow them all up except supreme being out of nowhere and uh and with just... a steel chair comes supreme <laughs> <Yeah>. being yep <laughs> Uh, Supreme Being's music hits. By God, that's the been... Supreme Being's music. <laughs> and uh, You missed your cue.
0: Fidget's dead, but thanks. The fidget's yeah. dead,
1: yeah. That's the other thing. Why did... You could have come down earlier and then Fidget wouldn't be dead. Damn it, Supreme. You're so fucking late. Come on. <laughs> like that Cody Rhodes run in and like you could have done that earlier. Oh my God.
0: He, well, he um, was injured. Supreme Being yeah. had a shattered mm-hmm. ankle. Mm-hmm. That's right. The adversity <laughs> of the Supreme
1: Being. Um, he um he he like just turns him into like this giant just burns him up immediately into like a giant solid coal statue um that then falls over and cracks into a bunch of things. But this is I can't remember, is it Ralph Richardson? He is just the most plummy old British guy. Like just the way he's like oh yes, frightfully sorry, a terrible way to travel. Uh, what a what a terrible mess there is here. There's one thing I can't stand—it's mess. Everybody, pick up everything. Um, and was like now oh, the first, where's that where's that pig fellow? Let's get him sorted out first. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a he's wearing a three piece suit with a pocket watch, and um, and he uh, he's like he just makes Og turn back into a things like um uh into a regular human being. But Hog's like. Was sort of enjoying that, he's like, he liked being a ping, but anyway, then Wally's like, But but Randall, we fidget's dead, and uh, no excuse for laying off work, and then he just moves the column off of him, and he's alive, he's fine. And Fidget's like, Fidget's like, What happened? I'm sorry, I killed you, fidget, you did what? Um, (laughs) it's very cute, but they're like, All clean up all this stuff, um, and um. He says, uh, "He says, I think that experiment would rather well, don't you? Experiment? Evil. I wanted to see what it was, what it could really do. Um, And he's, but, and Kevin's like, why did, you killed all those people to do some experiment? Like, why did they have to die? Uh, well, that's, you might as well ask, why do we have to have evil? Well, why do we have to have evil? I think it has something to do with free will. Which is just like, it's just maddening the, the, um, the we this like bene, false benevolence yeah of of this guy um and the way that they're basically attributing him that he's god but the false benevolence of god like of, of this thing of like um like we're well, sorry we stole the map sir what do you mean you're stealing some map i let you steal it i let you borrow this map from me so it could start this whole thing and we could see what happens with, with this um and so he let them do it He says well, we're sorry we stole the map, sir. Yes, you—you we, you were frightfully bad robbers. Um, <laughs> but we have our jobs back, sir. Uh, I really should do something horribly, horrible and vengeful, but frankly, I'm too tired. Uh, so, what to say? We do this. Um, I'll, 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 you now will move down to the shrubbery department, um, and uh, and I will hire you back um, at, at, at uh, with a nineteen percent pay cut, dating back to the beginning of time. How does that sound? Oh, that's wonderful, sir. Yes, well, I am the nice one, aren't I? And I'm like, <laughs> you, you basically told them to do it, let them do it, and then you punish them for it anyway. It's, it's, it's. But, but frame it as though you're a good guy. Uh, of course, it's, it's
0: yeah. And just but even anyway. like how nonchalant the like something with free will, like yes, yeah. the the weight that. Gets assigned in religion to the master plan to mm-hmm. have it in the hands of someone who like eh yeah. about it was like a a very uh, <clears throat> fun friction. So the big that.
1: thing here is that the big statue thing topples over and crumbles into a bunch of pieces, and they have to pick up all the pieces and put them in a post a mailbox, I guess. But one of them rolls under the tank. And nobody can see it. He says, now, careful with that. That's concentrated evil. You must pick up every little bit of that. We can't leave any behind. Oh, the one thing he was like, um, uh, whose are these? And he's showing the original clothes that uh, Kevin was wearing. Uh, because he, he yes. changed clothes several times. But he somehow got a hold of them wherever they were left. I guess in Greece. Um, and, and he ha- makes the boy sign a receipt to get his clothes back.
0: <laughs> Which you really endomer. are
1: untidy, um, little boy. Um, and
0: I remember boy. the um, the Monty Python sketch where with the receipt and the cads, If you remember that, mm, um, yeah. oh gosh, I can't remember what? it. it anyway,
1: yeah, um, but uh, it feels a very fidget, bureaucratic
0: nod to, <laughs> to that. Um,
1: uh, fidgets like, uh, well, can he come? Can Kevin come? Of course not. Uh, well, why? why not? Well, he must stay here and fight the good fight. And <laughs> like, okay. And so they all just like just zip away. Everybody, all all little guys, never really say good. really say goodbye, and they all leave. And with with God, and then um, there's smoke that's just filling up everything. It's like, how do I get back? What am I supposed to do? And he wakes up in his bed with smoke. Everywhere. Um, and the, the the door gets kicked down and he gets carried out of there by firemen who step all over uh, toys all over the floor. Did you notice what they what they were? They were cowboys. Uh, uh, all, Babylonic from the archers, yep. all from the fight scene. The fight scene. That was kind of cool. That, it was, that it was all there. So we're, we're left to be like, OK, so I guess it was a dream.
0: But only you know, kind of.
1: Right, but 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 at that point, we're yes. like, OK, it's a dream. But then he gets outside, um, and uh, and he like they're arguing over what might have caused it, like the the husband and wife and the firefighters, and they think it was, it came out of the toaster oven, right? Um, but then he sees one of the the, the um, firemen is Sean Connery, is him Agamemnon. And he's like, I know that guy, and he starts looking through all of his. He pulls out of his little satchel all these photos are photos he's taken throughout all these different times. So it wasn't a dream. These photos prove it. And he's about to talk to this thing, um, uh, to the fireman, but then he looks over and the uh, husband and wife looking at the toaster of him, which is very prized possession to them. They don't understand what might have happened. So they open the door and inside it is that chunk of evil that was left behind. And like Kevin realized like, mom, dad, no, don't touch it. It's evil. And they look at him and they hear what he said. But they touch it anyway because he's a little kid. He's one of those little kids. And they explode the same way all the little hunchmen exploded. Explode. But nobody cares. The <laughs> firemen the firemen get all in the truck. Uh, Sean Connery's the last one. He looks behind him, winks at him, closes the door. They drive away. All the neighbors are out. None of them seem to care. And Kevin is like walking slowly back toward the house. He's like, Mom? Dad? And all that's left are their shoes, which are smoking next to the toaster oven. And then the camera pulls out, end of the movie. That's it. And I cannot tell you how much that messed me up when I was a kid.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Wait a minute. Well, what happens to Kevin? And my mom's like, well, I guess we just don't know. But that's not an answer. What (laughs) happens to Kevin? Like, God just left him there? Like, and, man, listen, my, my views on religion... Or personal, but perhaps they were shaped by this the ending <laughs> of this movie. Like God just left him there to do nothing. It was all God's fault. This whole thing happened, and he doesn't care about it. He's like he just he did this knowing this was gonna happen. And and how's what happened he's just a, is he an orphan now? What what happens to, to, to Kevin? Because I mean, as a little kid, you have no choice but to like identify. With the child character in the film. Of
0: course. And And Sean Connery, like the other paternal figures to him in this movie, reeking at him. Reeking at him as he drives away away
1: after they blew up. Like. It is, it is incredibly bleak. But the movie. And
0: loaded for a kid's movie. yeah.
1: And the the movie movie is, is, is telling you. Yeah. The world's bleak. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's bleak. Like. Look at look at all the places they visited. Of the, just the little the little little touches of um, Sean Connery. One of the first things one of the things he does just in, in regular living as King King Agamemnon, he's like uh, he signs an order. They are all three to receive summary executions today, and guided away are holy men of a different faith. And just with a stroke of a pen, the king condemns them to death. We can assume for their faith. And it's just a thing that happens. You know, um, That the, the way that Napoleon uh, is is this outlandish character, but the reality of these people being forced from their homes, being shot in fi- as firing suds. It's just that's just that's the reality. The absurdism is these major characters, but all these um, lower level characters, um, the people, the background extras live in this world. And it's not absurdist to them, it's real to them, but it's also horribly cruel and um, and distant and unfeeling. And even this the, is Titanic, the, this is the world that they set up.
0: The, the pageantry with which they're in their suits and then the ships yeah. going down, right? Like yeah. there's um it's also like with Kevin, the unresolved piece of it is so bothersome because it's yeah the it you go from it was a dream to it wasn't but mm-hmm. parts of it were like like elements from the dream are real. Like right. it happened so quick of You get that false sense of security that it was a dream, but then all of a sudden, like, his parents are gone. is insane. Yeah. Uh, Um,
1: Especially, this is why I thought it was a a book. Um, And still feels like a book to me, because books have those open-ended endings. Sure. That that in English class, you discuss what you think this means. Films, all right, everything's neat and tidy. And it's like... uh, you know that that's not what this is at all and terry gilliam was not interested in telling that story and if you look at a lot of his films they're not interested in telling that story um they have very dark endings because the world to him is kind of bleak um i i I wonder if terry gilliam went through a lot of like personal uh tragedy that shaped his worldview because you know, just the idea of... I mean, honestly, I have no idea. I could look it up right now, but I'm not going to. Um, uh, Terry Gilliam may have lost his parents at a young age. Sure. And felt like the world... Didn't care. Just kept didn't turning. Didn't care. Her. Just kept turning. Who cares?
0: I also think it's like... Um, I think about like when I was a little kid and like the things I went through and how movies... Just to have the voice of that in a movie is yeah. really important because you're right. And especially like... I don't know, I, most of the stuff I was watching was during the mid-90s, right? And it was like rom-com airport scenes, like everything does get resolved, but that wasn't my real life experience. So even if your overall thought on the world is not super dark, like just to have the a voice in film that identifies that that feeling is real is like really, um, it's t- horribly depressing, but there's something really powerful about that because there was nothing to identify that feeling um when you are in those moments on screen, because there are plenty of times I can go back to in my life and say the world was not still turning for me, and so to have that portrayed somewhere is like very sad, but like also gives you relief in a in a way of um, in that era of, of film like it just didn't it didn't yeah. exist it didn't exist yeah. and it does exist in the real world whether that's your overall takeaway of how the world and life operates it's like well it's it's that way sometimes so yeah. <laughs> it starts to have uh, yeah. that, that portrayed somewhere
1: yeah um, disturbing
0: uh, note to end on though when yeah. I, we tweeted that we were doing this like you're right there's not a lot of people that necessarily know about this film but everybody that did react to it was like, that ending messed me up. Yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. was the, the grand takeaway of, of the people that had seen it.
1: Yeah. Uh, it is. It is a very messed up ending. Um, but uh, I don't think that it, um, I think the, the movie, it, it's not messed up. And it's like, for no reason, the movie is telling you, this is a, the, we are telling you this is, this is the point of it. Yes. Um, you know? Um, so, a very banal existence for the people in this weird alternate present um and uh and it being you know shattered uh for kevin by his okay. parents dying he's the only one who actually cares nobody cares for anything everybody else just goes back inside and watches more of your money or your life with jim broadbent
0: well, and that's the other piece of it is continually a money python the idea that life is not precious is like over and over and over again, right? Like yeah. they're going back to a, a, a game show where people would rather die than not mm-hmm. have material mm-hmm. possessions. So, yeah, yeah, that's a, a continued theme there, too. Yes.
1: Um, all right. I'm keep it in. I'm keeping, keep, I'm oh, keeping super it in. keeping it in. Just super
0: oh, keeping, it, super in. keeping this, it
1: in. This probably is the last time that I will be doing that this, this calendar year. year.
0: Yeah. So, maybe I'm a more merciful but, supreme being than you think. Maybe we'll maybe, end December mm, on a oh. uh, high note. I don't know. Maybe A Christmas Miracle will swing in, (laughs) though I did. It would would have
1: to be A Christmas Miracle.
0: I did. uh, I found a movie that I watched with my sister and I was like, oh, the way that Alex had to screen things for me, if it would be too scary, I'm going to have to screen for is this going to just is he going to survive? And can we do a review about it? Uh, I will unveil in private the name of this film. And let you know what the plot is because I don't know if there's enough to do a review on. But
1: oh, fantastic! Staring
0: you in an entirely different way,
1: mm, entirely different yeah. way, wonderful. Um, all right. Uh, next week uh, we will be doing a version of the story of Babes in Toyland, starring Keanu Reeves and Drew Barrymore. And we will, at that point, get the flick out of here. But today we're keeping it in. So, uh, yeah. Bye, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And uh, where, where's, my, where, oh, where's my mouse? There it is. Where's a clicker? Click, 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 click. Bye, everybody. Get the flick out of here next week. Bye. R E S P E C T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.